Hi, I'm Sien Xiao. And I'm Sammy Winemaker. We talk to people who have information and tips on how to unlock a better illness experience. The waiting room revolution starts right now. Welcome to our spring series, where we feature intimate conversations taken from our In the Waiting Room With live events. This episode, we feature Nadine Henningsen. So welcome to our In the Waiting Room With series. And today in our waiting room, we have Nadine Henningsen. Uh, For many years, she has been the CEO of Canadian Home Care Association and Cares Canada, which is a national coalition of organizational partners dedicated to caregivers. And she has spearheaded national coalitions, federal commissions, and home care and caregiver policy reforms all across Canada. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Nadine, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the chat. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to congratulate you so much because this past Tuesday, April 6th, it was National Caregiver Day. So I know we're catching you at a very busy week. Uh, a great high for Cares Canada. Why is Caregiver Day so important to Canadians? Well, thanks for the congratulations, Sien. Where we are pretty excited about uh, our, our event on this last Tuesday. But as you know, uh, the Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every April, has been designated as National Caregiver Day, and the importance is this designation was unanimously adopted by the members of our federal parliament, and so they recognize that certainly one day a year. We wish it was a bit more, but certainly one day a year, we have to recognize caregivers across the country, and Carers Canada and our partners, we've been doing recognizing and celebrating National Caregiver Day for over 10 years now with different campaigns. But this last campaign we were pretty excited about. Um, the campaign concept was experiences in caregiving. And our goal really was to increase the awareness of the concept of caregiving rather than asking individuals to identify themselves as a caregiver. Uh, we know that by sharing the experiences in caregiving, we hope to create aha moments where individuals say, you know what, I am caregiving and I might not be doing it, like I might be burning myself out, so I need to go find some supports. So if an individual will recognize that they're caregiving, we actually identify different supports that they can have. The unique thing we did with uh, sharing our experiences in caregiving, and this was really fun when we interviewed uh, different individuals that were caregiving, is we looked at a frame of head, heart, and hands. Uh, From a perspective of the head, what do caregivers think? What do they know? What experiences, what knowledge do they bring to their caregiver role? And what knowledge do they have to find as they take on this caregiver role? Their heart perspective. How are they feeling emotionally? What's motivating them? What's what's dragging them down? What's pepping them up? So really all those feelings of caregiving and certainly the hands perspective. What are caregivers do? And we're going to chat a little bit more today about that, you know, their role in coordinating or how do they interact with the healthcare providers? So this campaign, we were pleased to release 35 individuals that shared their caregiving experiences. And 11 of those were from our elected officials, which was really great. They were so keen to want to get on board and share their experiences. So really our our key messages through the campaign that we were very pleased with is how that each caregiving experience is unique and different. 
that COVID has had a huge impact on caregivers and we're all feeling that. And that caregivers have had to take on more responsibility in two key areas. One is, and certainly this is near and dear to my heart, is caregivers had had to do a lot more provision of home care because governments in the reaction to COVID have actually cut back on very essential home care services throughout COVID. And another one which was interesting is they've had to spend much more time coordinating care and coordinating services and, and reaching out and making appointments with physicians and, and, and trying to access that primary health care. So certainly from an advocacy point of view, we wanted to share these experiences, but very fundamentally, we're asking governments, we need investment in long-term home-based care and in access to primary health care right away. Yeah. What, so much of what you talk about links directly to our podcast. And uh, the first one is uh, anticipate ripple effects. Um, and I think actually, I know you listened to that. Do you have, what's your reaction to that, 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 that episode, which was really about recognizing that the patient, the family and the caregivers will have a parallel illness journey and to really identify that journey so that they can get the supports they need. I absolutely loved it. I, I loved the analogy of the ripple effect, but also the importance that caregiving is a journey, that when you start caregiving and what you need to think, feel and do is very different than when you're in the middle of the journey or when you're at the end of the journey. And one of the things I'm going to challenge us to think about when we think about a ripple effect, let's look at symmetrical or balanced waves that flow in two directions, waves that go back and forth. And mm. the impact of the care journey, not only on the caregiver, but also on the, uh, the patient or the care recipient. In this relationship where caregivers take on so many different roles and are so many different, different tasks and what they need to think, do and feel. I'll tell you, I wanted to share this ripple effect, two of the initiatives that we're undertaking right now, which really re-emphasizes this ripple effect, is through our international work, we're actually looking at exploring the impact of caring on the caregiver, but we're also looking at uh, exploring the impact of caring on the outcomes of the patient or the care recipient. So it's that reciprocal looking at those waves back and forth, and we're... Uh, from this work where these are going to really set the foundation for our advocacy here in Canada, but also internationally. Uh, here in Canada, one of the things that we're doing, and this is around the caregiver journey, is we're really promoting the importance that healthcare providers who are our partners in this journey as a caregiver really recognizes caregiver experiences once again from their head, their heart, and their hands. And using emotional intelligence skills to understand what caregivers are thinking, feeling, and doing, and to provide them with the appropriate supports throughout their journey recognizing that the beginning is not like the end, which is not like the middle. Yeah. And even after uh, when a, you know, a care recipient, you know, eventually passes away, there's a whole nother process of, of grieving and, and rebuilding, you know, what your new life looks like, which many caregivers have talked about. Nadine, you talked a little bit about the healthcare providers who are partners, and that's a real, that's a nice tie to another key that we had, which was tag your it. And I feel like uh, you probably have a lot to say about how important the patient and family are in navigating the system and, and just the value of home care in general. Do you have any reactions to that episode and, and that concept of tag your it? 
<laughs> well, the first after and thank you. I I too thought it was absolutely brilliant podcast, and I absolutely loved the name tag. You're it. Um, the Canadian Home Care Association. We're doing a very large project on an integrated framework for care from a home and community care perspective. And I'm now going to change the name to the Tag Your It Project. So 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 I I absolutely love the 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 name. It's just it's just resonates so much with me as a caregiver and understanding home and community care. I think probably one of the best examples I can give you of the importance of, of really that caregiver and that patient working together as the key for this integrated care and across all these different care settings is a project that we worked on to enhance safety and effective care across settings. Uh, we know that often whether care providers are changing or the location of care is changing, that's when things get dropped through the, uh, the cracks. With this project, what we did is we put the patient and the caregiver right in the center of things, saying that who the person who knows these, these different transitions the best are those two or the, that individual, that patient surrounded by their caregivers. And so what we challenged them to think about is three words, am I safe? And we created tools and we created some information to provide to them to ask, ask their primary care providers, ask their home care providers, ask the discharge planners, am I safe? You know, and so so that that's a big concern for patients and caregivers. And so it was just three little words like not what's my risk assessment, just am I safe and how can I be safe? And this this whole reframing of am I safe in a very positive light has been really brilliant in providing these tools for caregivers has helped them with that navigational piece. And I yep. want to share with you, uh, Cien, um, just th this was just such a good quote that uh, um, during our campaign in our caregiver experiences, a caregiver shared this quote, and I have to share it with you. I had spent my whole career making quality experiences for customers, and I wanted to make a quality experience for my mom now. Caregiving is a serious job with constantly changing expectations. Don't give up stay engaged, be concerned, and learn with the awareness that if you raise a concern, you have to follow up to see if it was taken care of. I call it politely probing. Caregiving taught me that we have to care for those who cannot care for ourselves. It's our duty. So I think we're going to embrace tag your it and politely probing going forward. I love that. I, you know, it's, it's, you're, you know, it's near and dear to my heart, all the stuff you're doing, because a lot of the pot, you know, our goal of our podcast was to translate these messages and this lived experience into plain language that would make it easy for people to enact these and have the courage and the ability to take these small steps to go in the right direction and not be so passive and feel like uh, disempowered and recognize their role in this. And, and during this COVID times, and, and you've talked about, you know, the campaign that you mentioned, and I know uh, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did a nice video on, on the website. Um, you know, you, like the value of home care and supporting people in the community doesn't get as much attention as, you know, getting these ICU beds and these field hospitals. So I'd love to hear your take uh, on how important is home and community before and even more so now during COVID? 
And, you know, I'm going to share with you, and this was pre-COVID, thank goodness, um, but I'm going to share with you my answer wearing two hats. Um, as the CEO of the Canadian Home Care Association, I understand policy and what the system should look like, but I also had this experience as a daughter. Um, I was able to help my dad die at home, which was, which was probably one of the most enlightening, challenging, uh, amazing experiences that I've ever gone through. Um, you know, as a CEO of the association, I knew that I could get good home-based palliative care. I knew the policies were there. I knew that the system should be there for me. As the daughter and as one of a, a number of si siblings that looked after my dad, boy, oh boy, were we ever in for a surprise. Um, the, the need for us to take on the responsibility of coordinating this role. We lived the tag you're it for, for, for a number of months. But probably the neatest thing we did is we tapped into my dad's experience. My dad was a guru of uh, quality improvement. And so we said to him, dad, how can we actually improve the quality of these services? So we sat down, we did Gantt charts and maps, and we actually learned how to how to uh, uh, make sure that our, our medications were, were, all the medications were there. We coordinated the services. We figured out who to call when and how to make sure that all our communications were, were, were the most effective. So it was really kind of, it was, it was a real enlightening experience to say that the system's there, home care is absolutely brilliant. And when you can make it happen, there's no place Place truly like home, but you also have to tap into every resource that you possibly can to make that happen. And as a caregiver, you've got to be prepared that that you're the one. It's you and your your siblings or your loved ones that are going to take on that key role for home and community care. Yeah. No. Thanks for sharing that story. And as I was listening, it kind of is a connection of know your style that your dad was a QI guru and and uh, also customize your order you know how do we connect with his skills and our skills and and make it so that this experience really feels like authentically him and, and what we would want for him um I, I have to ask you this question AD we hear this all the time when people are trying to figure out what services are available to them and they feel like so much is hidden and we hear it all the time like why didn't someone tell me about this sooner so from your perspective and all your knowledge like what advice do you have for our listeners about how to navigate the system and to understand what what they're eligible for or what they can what you know what they can have access to so my advice would be ask questions um, I think that embrace that politely probing. Um, I think one of the challenges, and we all know this as a caregiver, is, is a lot of your emotions get involved. And when you're feeling the frustration, you're asking for things that may or, the healthcare system may or may not be able to give you. And the healthcare providers are just as frustrated. So then sometimes emotions get, uh, get, get out of control. So I would say ask questions, politely probe, uh, research on the internet, and connect to others. Um, you're not alone. Uh, there's many, many individuals who have gone through similar experiences as you're going through, um, and also really learn, lean on expertise. Uh, don't be afraid to ask your healthcare providers, challenge your healthcare providers, but also um, the, the if you're a caregiver, your loved one or the individual that you're looking after has huge amounts of expertise. And I'm going to share a, a, a great example that we, we, we captured during our campaign of one caregiver who shared her experience. She said, uh, living in a remote part of Northern Canada, White House, Yukon, there weren't many resources available to us. But my professional background in healthcare and business 
made me an avid researcher. So I began looking for resources, both for my husband as a patient and myself as a caregiver. So don't be afraid to become a very avid researcher and challenge, challenge, and ask questions. Yeah, I, Karen, I think uh, the guest on episode six, Tagria, talks about being a detective. Like you have to like put on, like you have, you're kind of a detective and trying to, or an investigative journalist. You've got to like ask all these questions and sort of, you know, uncover the mystery here because everybody will need different resources. Everybody's community is different and what's available or things that you'd be willing to access or able to access are totally different. So that's really interesting. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit because I also know you are the chair of the IACO, which stands for the International Association of Care Organizations. It represents, I think, over 15 countries around the world and their caregiver organizations. Um, I'm curious uh, to know what you've learned about caregiving from this organization, particularly around you know COVID around the world happening now. They must be this is top of mind for every country, and and I'm, yeah, it'd be so interesting to know what what, what insights are happening at that table. Yeah, sure. Um, it is an exciting opportunity to um, to learn from other countries, but also to recognize that Canada is doing a really great job in caregiving. And and I'll, I'll share I'll share certainly our perspective uh, uh, just in a minute. But um, uh, uh, Sian, one of the things that we're doing, which is really exciting, is we're actually creating a portrait of the global state of caring. And we're looking at eighteen different countries right now. We're almost in the final stage of this online compendium. And what we're going to be able to profile for um, stakeholders is uh, um, what kind of caregiver recognition or legislation is happening in these 18 different countries? Uh, what financial supports are available? Um, what kind of caregiver-friendly workplaces or educational environments mm. are certainly um, on the table or are already in place? Um, how, can, how are countries supporting the physical, emotional, and social needs for caregivers. And our last piece of information in the in the profiles is how are caregivers accessing or what kind of information is available and being prioritized for caregivers to access. Uh, the neat thing about the end chapter for each country is um, there's an innovative care practice that we're going to be highlighting for each country. And so this is actually, it's going to be an online document. It's going to have an overview of all these programs with direct links right into the program. So if someone would like to learn and adopt a best practice, it will be available to them. But it's also what we're so excited about is it's setting the frame for a global caregiver strategy. And certainly our, re our understanding of how COVID has impacted caregivers. I'll tell you, it's the most interesting thing is no matter how diverse um, a, a country is, whether it's socially or economically diverse, Diverse. COVID has had some very, very common impacts right across the country, certainly from a caregiver perspective. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is using that to frame a global caregiver strategy. But also it shows uh, we're not making comparisons. Um, it, it's really hard to make comparisons across the world. But I will tell you, uh, as Canadians, we should be pretty proud of our grassroots initiatives. We've done some amazing movement forward for caregivers and recognizing and supporting caregivers from our grassroots. I'll tell you where we're missing uh, a big piece uh, uh, compared to other countries is we don't have a national strategy. Mm -hmm. And that national strategy is really the framework or the frame to hook everything on and ensure that consistency. And so that's one of the things that we, we've learned from work, this work and that we're going to be advocating for. So you could look, take a look. Um, we're hoping to launch this uh, global report 
in June, just before the G7 meeting out in the UK. So we're hoping that we'll get uh, uh, caregivers or carers on that agenda so that uh, the G7 con countries can start thinking about caregivers going forward. Oh, fantastic. No, it sounds exciting. I look forward to reading it. Okay, we're almost at the end of time. I have a couple of questions. The last two is sort of looking back at your you know, storied career in home care across Canada. I'd love to know a little bit. I mean, <laughs> it's a big question, but what are some of the things you're most proud of, would you say? You know, great question, and it really makes you reflect. And I would say there's three things. And truthfully, I will say beginning is the real increase of recognition of caregivers. Um, certainly from our, certainly, I mean, there's so many people moving this agenda forward, but we were very successful in moving the federal caregiver tax credit program forward and certainly supporting all the great organizations uh, across the country. Uh, probably the next big thing that certainly brings a smile to my face after all these years in, in this sector is the recognition of home care in the federal and provincial shared health priorities. Not only were they recognized, but funding actually went to move those priorities forward. And the good news is caregivers are part of that. And I think the last thing, which has been our biggest challenge, is actually getting a consensus across the country on a common definition and harmonized principles for home care. Uh, that is always one of our biggest challenges, and we're moving that forward with the ultimate goal before I retire to have national home care standards. <laughs> that would be amazing. So I guess that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what are you most excited about in the future looking forward? I know we're all looking for a, for a fall when we have fully vaccinated, but just looking at sort of the issues and things, what's your, what's, are you optimistic about the future? I am very optimistic about the future. Um, it's funny, we've just put the National Caregiver Campaign, National Caregiver Day campaign to bed, and we're already thinking about the next caregiver campaign and how we can really promote a national caregiver strategy. We want the federal government to take a leadership role in advancing the great grassroots work that, that is happening right now. Uh, we're also looking at um, how can we move this very important piece for caregivers is home care and primary health care. Uh, the more robust we can make those two pieces of the system, the more support that we will give to caregivers and patients. And the last piece, and this was a really interesting one that we're moving forward on or really excited about, is helping care providers enhance their emotional intelligence skills. Mm -hmm. We've learned through COVID that it's one thing to have those clinical skills, but to have those, those really in-depth people skills and emotional intelligence will help us understand caregivers and patients through their journey and be able to support them as they, as they move through their journey. So that's a, a really exciting opportunity that we're, we're going to be jumping on going forward. Nadine, I want to thank you so much. We're at time, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been fun to chat with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and help us get the word out. Our theme music is Maypole by Ketza. The podcast is edited and produced by me, Sien Xiao, and Kayla McMillan. Special thanks to Krista Honstra, Principal of Clarity Hub. Please go to our website to join in the conversation, waitingroomrevolution.com.